Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, and welcome to the 71st episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp, and joined today by one very special temporary guest host. Joining us for an episode that will be nothing but assuming things about the future is the person who constantly rants about how much he hates the future. We have Grant, a.k.a. Boo C.K. Grant, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I rant a lot. Um make predictions uh and most of the time they come true because they're not based in uh wild speculation and without facts they usually have some sort of purpose but today i think i might be speculating a little recklessly but that's good because i'm also going to speculate recklessly because we're in an interesting position so uh for what it's worth we did take a week off because your boy was in london and then i got home from london and i was like do I want to do anything? And I reached out to one person to be a guest and it turns out they had COVID and it's not great to record a podcast when you have COVID. So we're like, ah, screw it. We're going to take the week off. But now here we are ready to go with what will hopefully be continued podcast for the near future. We have quite a bit lined up actually, and quite a bit of ideas heading forward. So this is the one that we had to get out there because I think you should never listen to a podcast for news, right? Unless it's literally a news podcast that drops in the morning or whatever. But well, yeah, there's been a lot of things going on. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's too much to talk about. And I think this is one of those things that there's no other guest I would want to chat about them with than you. So the plan is we're going to talk about my world's experience. If you're in the stream, I streamed, uh, let's say, the Sunday of Worlds after finals. And I went over everything and I streamed another day and I went over everything. But we're going to run through my world's experience, but also just kind of what the atmosphere is like. So anyone who's listening who's may have never been to a world championship before, you maybe you've been to a regional, maybe you've been to an IC even. You're like. What's the big deal outside of, you know, competition, literally everything. So I'm going to go over all of that stuff. We're going to talk about the world's results. You've already seen them, but kind of what we think, because we're going to have multiple regionals. I think they're regionals. Is Bilbao a regional or an SPE? Good question. It is a special event. Okay. So we have one regional and one special event, it sounds like, or maybe two special events in the same format, which is actually very good. I'm a big fan of this format. So we're going to talk about those world's results, what they mean, all that cool stuff. Then we're going to talk about the announcement from worlds, which is EX cards, lowercase E, lowercase X, which anyone who has listened to the podcast episodes with Alex Cook and James Arnold, we've talked about the greatness of lowercase E, lowercase X cards for literal hours. And we'll talk about what they're going to do in the future. And then the 2023 season announcement. This is where the speculation is really going to fly. We're going to talk about our predictions, what Pokemon might do, what Pokemon should do, what Pokemon shouldn't do, and why all of you listening are probably wrong. And I am right, as always, right? So let's go ahead and jump into the Pokemon World Championship. So your boy competed in day one. 
if you listen to the last podcast, we had Mike Fouché and Charlie Lockyer on. That wasn't the last one, but a couple podcasts ago talking about how to be successful in day number one. I do have to give a shout out to Mike Fouché, who I bounced ideas off of for my deck quite a bit. I played Radiant Charizard with four cross switchers, four Irida, and I only played two attackers, three attackers, I guess. You had the Charizard, the Inteleon, and I played a Dredagon. Dredagon, uh, Fire, Water, does 40 plus 120 if a Pokemon was knocked out last turn. Shout out to my round three opponent. It was one of the best experiences in a Pokemon game I've ever had. I bench it, Raihan to it, knock out his Inteleon, his Revenge for 160. Bloody hell, how much did that do? And it was just, it was just so beautiful. But let's go and talk about a little, uh, the deck itself, we ended up only a couple cards off of Ross Cawthon, which I think is relevant to say, because I'm going to talk about my tournament run. And then when you go look at the Limitless page, you'll see a very similar list in top 16, which I think is relevant. So how'd go- you end up on the list? Did you consider other things? Ah, that's a good question. Yeah. So uh, one of the lists that we were very strongly considering, I did about three quote unquote boot camp days at Tabletop Village with one day with Owen and Kobe. Kobe was playing in Worlds. Owen's going to play in the Open. We worked a lot on Liminal. That was one of the decks we were looking on. The Liminal deck is the Inteleon. We had Zapdos, Zero Aura, Baby Moltres, Radiant Charizard. We worked pretty hard on that list. We were super into it. Uh, I decided to switch off because the next two days, Kobe had already left. He was going to Sightsee, which is the responsible thing to do. Arrive early, Sightsee, enjoy your vacation. So the next two days, Owen and I continued to work on lists. And I was like, wait, Radiant Charizard seems good. We grinded the Palkia matchup into the ground and figured out this thing beats Palkia. The Arceus matchup's almost the exact same. The Mew matchup is almost entirely free. They play a Marnie, get sketch. We're like, wait, this deck is absolutely nuts. So I switched off of Liminal at the last minute. And by last minute, I mean like five days in advance, right? So that was kind of a, kind of a big deal because if you've seen my Twitter, I've retweeted it. Kobe got top 64 with the Liminal deck that, to be fair, he put most of the work into. You know, he top 16 Vancouver with a very similar deck. But the deck that we had worked together on and I had planned to pilot. So that was one of my considerations. Another one that if you've listened to the podcast or you've watched my stream, you know. And Grant, I know you've seen me post this in the Discord. I want to play a deck with four Marnies. Yep. And then, uh, spoiler alert to the results, guess what won the tournament? Yep. And guess what it played in the finals? Yep. Two decks with four Marnies <laughs> battling it out. <laughs> so that was a that was an unfortunate miss by me. <laughs> we've said since like the beginning how oppressive Marnie is, and like as regionals and the IC kept happening, you're seeing all of the the Marnie plays. Like, just four Marnies is really good. You can have a deck that executes and can beat everything, but when you just get Marnied out of it, and then Marnied out of it again, like sometimes that's all you really need. It is. And that was, I mean, so I ended up tying my first two rounds in matchups that I should have 2 0'd. Why did I do that? They very simply, they marnied me into an unplayable hand. And that happens. I think it's something that people always say, oh, Inteleon engines never brick. Fun fact yes, yes, they can brick. It is very possible. It is possible to get marnied into not in level ball, not in evolution in sense. And you play like zero supporters. So yeah, the, the four Marnie is just so good. Anyone going to Baltimore regionals or Bilbao or anything like that, even in the future, just remember the power of Marnie. 
it's it's pretty good anyway let's go into the the tournament so again i decided on a few things i was like okay four marnies is totally correct i'd been playing arceus flying pika i'd been going between desi and hammers with the flying pika because i was like bro hammers literally win the arc intel matchup and i stand by that four hammers two fans Ooh, if you beat mew and arc intel so much more consistently a fun fact it doesn't help against palkia a whole lot a little bit but not a whole lot uh, but anyway, I went off with those. I went with the baby deck. I am incredibly happy. I said this on the stream a little while ago, but I think I'm the only person who did bad in day one who was like, I made the correct deck choice. I trust my testing. I know what I did. So when we go into the results, I want everyone listening to keep that in mind. Despite the mediocrity, I know I made the right deck choice. And if you let me go into day one again, I would probably make a change after seeing Ross's list. And that's putting a third energy search into my list. But otherwise, 100% love the freaking deck. So sit down round one, start chatting with my opponent. They're, they're a person, whatever. I don't know. There's nothing interesting. If you sit down and Grant, I know you've done this before. You know, you sit down and you chat while you're waiting for the round to start. Some people are very fun to talk to. Some people, you're just like, yeah, okay, congratulations on your many good finishes. That, that, that's all we're going to talk about right now. I'm super uninterested in continuing this. That, that's where we were at. I was like, cool, good job getting multiple top 16s this year. Let's just start the game. That's the worst, worst round for it, too, because that's the longest wait. <laughs> it is. It was... So we got... Off of the opening ceremony, I assume a lot of us have either watched the opening ceremony on a rewatch or something you watched it live. Super hype, but also it was like so anticlimactic. Ah, we'll tell you everything at the closing ceremony. It's like, okay, cool. So it's just like that. That little bit of tease, in addition to the fact that we had to sit down for round one and then just sit there and wait and say, okay, what's the record for day two? They announced that we have to go six and two. So I'm sitting there like, okay, that's hard. Let's see if we can do it. Win the coin flip. I start my dread again. My opponent, they, they seem to think that it's an auto win. Like, what are you playing? And they proceed to do Dialga stuff, right? And then I show them that I can attack with Radiant Charizard and Oko, everything on their field. Take an easy game one. Problem is, it took like half an hour. It turns out, Grant, I don't know if you've played Dialga IRL. That deck takes forever holy well, yeah, buckets you, you see a ton of cards right just we know with me like me a turbo deck and you Quote, still unquote. take 10, 10 minute turns and that's exactly what happened like i know people are like oh the italian engine's slow i wasn't that fast of a deck right but ooh, those turns of trekking shoes quick ball shuffle mysterious tail shuffle scoop up net mysterious tail shuffle trekking shoes quick ball and it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So we had an incredibly long round one, or sorry, game one into game two. You know, my opponent does the thing. If anyone's wondering, how does Dialga ever beat Radiant Charizard? I'm going to give you the hint. I'm going to give you the lore. Here it is. How do you beat Radiant Charizard as Dialga? I miss my keep calling. You're able to go Star Kronos, Marnie into a dead hand, knockout. At which point, I have no board established and no outs in my hand, and I lose. That's how you win that match. <laughs> Just talked about Marnie being good, right? <laughs> yeah. Even if you had hit it, though, 
Don't they have another play? Another play around it? Couldn't you go Avery? Star Chronos? Yep. Avery would have also uh, been incredibly good there. <laughs> but unfortunately, I was left with like an Inteleon and a Drizzile on the field or something like that. And I was like, okay, scoop. You know, that was a quote unquote quick game into game three. My opponent, shout out to them if they're listening to this one. 15 minutes into game three, they take a 10 minute turn one. Mellow, how do you know? It's a freaking clock. I watched the clock. <laughs> took a 10 minute turn one. All right, we've got five minutes left. Going into my opponent's turn, I've taken two turns for a combined 30 seconds, maybe. I've used keep calling and like kind of prize checked, but I know how much time is left. Time is called. Or sorry, no, my opponent. Okay, my opponent does get a knockout. I get the Charizard knockout with five prizes left. My opponent, time is called, and they're like, okay, all I have to do is not lose. They verbally say that out loud. I was like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you with a passion. They proceed to not lose by simply passing, not taking a knockout. And yeah, so I end up 001. Very unfortunate, right? Round two, my opponent, very nice person. I did like talking with this person. They were super kind. Uh, Palkia. Game one, they realized it was a terrible matchup and they have no idea what they're doing. Game two, our good friend Grant. What's our good friend called again? Marnie. Ah, yeah, she strikes again. <laughs> I keep calling. Uh, I get Marnied. Tremendous. No way to uh, get mana fee. My board gets demolished. GG's. Game three, I get the, again the five prize knockout with the Radiant Charizard. It's beautiful. They're like, all right, Palkia KO. They're like, no way you got this. Combo, combo, combo. Oko, the only Palkia on the field. Bodied, right? They proceed to not bench another Palkia. They Aqua Bullet KO me. Don't put any two prizers down. Take just long enough that we tie. I end the turns with one prize card remaining because they just, again, didn't lose. So anyone listening to this, go into Worlds next year. You listen to the episode with Mike. You listen to the episode with Charlie. Play a fast, aggressive deck that finishes games. I played a fast, aggressive deck that finishes game, but I learned. If my opponents choose to tie, they have that power. If they stop playing the game, they have the power to tie. Sad days, right? Yep. yep. If they make you take six prizes, like individually, you're, you're not getting, getting another opportunity at it. No, especially when they didn't take prizes. So right. we're in the 002 bracket. Then we hit the boy, Philip Scholes, playing Vikavolt Ludicolo. And uh, I got 2 0 It was miserable. It was, it was the most miserable experience of a Pokemon game I think I've had. And it was so fast. And uh, yeah, GG's. I was out before the lunch break. You love to see it. So again... Why do I not regret my deck choice? I hit favorable matchups outside of the Vikavolt. And if you're going to tell me into the tournament, Mello, are you fine losing to Vikavolt? I would have looked at you and said, you're an idiot. Yes, I'm fine losing to Vikavolt. <laughs> I just happened to hit the one Vikavolt in the whole room. <laughs> yeah, somebody's brave enough to bring it. Right? That. And somebody was. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, someone good enough to build a very good list, too. We watched the other day uh, Zulon stream playing Radiant Charizard against a Vikavolt deck, but uh, a not a good Vikavolt deck. And he was able to win because the Vikavolt deck also played, what was it, Rapid Strike Inteleon VMAX? Yeah. It was, it was quite bad. But uh, th this version of the deck was not a winnable matchup. <laughs> 
So yeah, we're out. Uh, we play out the rest of our rounds. They were they're fine. We end four two two at day one. Cool, great. But I was out of it. But like I said, I don't regret the deck choice at all. Uh, I thought it was amazing. Ross proved that the deck is absolutely nuts. The four ear to cross switcher build is so good. I highly recommend everyone listening try it. But that was the world's experience. It was a uh, it was something. That's for sure. But then the real reason I want to talk about this, besides ranting a little bit about how much I hate ties, and I do. The actual world's experiments. So going into day two, normally you would have assumed at like a regional or something, you're like, bro, what the heck am I supposed to do, right? What do you do on day two when you're you're out of it? it. Yeah. Go leave. <laughs> <laughs> You leave, you just sit there. They're like, what the heck are you supposed to do? Uh, I, there was so much to do. I met so many of you. Thank you so much. Oh, I've got to mention this. Shout out to the person who came up to me after round one, and I was incredibly salty because my opponent admitted they were trying to tie. Right? So I, I'm upset. One of you came up to me, said you love the podcast. I said thank you, but I definitely was not super happy about meeting you. I apologize. I was very salty. <laughs> that'll happen i met so many of you it was so much fun uh i was just going around there's so much to do at the world championships holy buckets man there are the big stage i was able to go through watch unite and the tcg just go back and forth between the two vg and go and poken were there poken's hype also so the tcg stage and the pocken stage were next to each other but only one of them had sound when you were on the main car co- and it was the pocket stage and i just kept looking over the whole time even hegster comes up on one of his breaks and sits next to me and he's uh, he sees me watching he looks over that and he's like bro poking's so hype <laughs> it's like aren't you one of the tcg casters but like he's right it's such a hype game i wish it was a little more fun to play like i used to play fighting games yeah and it's a little too like broken of a game like not as traditional and, and smooth and it's not as fun but yeah it's it's really cool to watch like I, i'd go back because i was going to do the last chance qualifier when way before we knew if there was an open or anything so that'd be my my ticket to go since i didn't <laughs> qualify so i was playing it for like a week and uh so i'd go back and watch the old world's 2019 videos and stuff like that it's, it's pretty entertaining it's i don't know what's going on i'm bad at fighting games unlike you you're like actually very good at fighting game person like you probably understand the combos i don't i just see stuff happening and speaking of the last chance qualifier too we have to give a quick shout out we're not a poking podcast i don't know if that exists it probably doesn't but uh the person who won shadow cat went through the last chance qualifier i couldn't imagine that right you just show up to worlds through the winner's bracket into winning the world championship. Like that is utter domination, right? Yeah. I think there's like four spots available from it because they only, they only have the tournament at the internationals. So you don't really get an opportunity to like get qualifiers. You don't get CP and, and rank up and all of that. So, you know, they, they need to have that tournament to you know, field 16 people to even play a tournament. <laughs> Which is probably actually pretty hard. Like this late in the game's lifespan, just, getting people they said it sold out though or filled up let's go 
it was it was fun watching i have no idea what actually happened outside of i know shadow cat won through the last chance qualifier <laughs> and it was it was sick but anyway again not a pokemon podcast so what is there to do with the world championships there's all of that the pokemon center i have to give a shout out to Mr. Pikachu Pokemon uh, got us into us as content creators into the Pokemon Center before everyone else. Thank Jesus, because it was a cluster to actually get in there from the looks of it. We got in before everyone else. I ended up buying way too much stuff for the amount of bag space I had, but it was amazing. The Pokemon Center at Worlds, literally 10 out of 10. People are talking about Worlds in Japan. Spoiler alert. Oh, you can go to the Pokemon Centers that are nearby. Yokohama is not too far from Tokyo, I believe. Is the correct answer to that one? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, there's a bunch of Pokemon centers there. I went on my honeymoon to a variety of places, including Japan, including Tokyo, tons of stuff at the Pokemon centers, but I promise you the one at Worlds is going to have just about everything you need anyway. There's a lot of stuff there and it's probably only going to be better. So that was a, that was definitely something to do. And then just the amount of stuff to do their side events. There's just so many people from all around the world to talk to, which is so cool. I was able to meet up with a bunch of people that I've never met, but people I've interacted with online. In addition to all of you, I was able to meet, you know, uh, Henry, Mitch from the Sableyes. I was able to meet JW for the first time. I was able to meet Gabe Smart for the well, the first-ish time, right? We we played at a couple regionals ago or whatever. But it's all of this stuff of like I was able to meet all of these other people and a ton of people that I didn't get to meet. So the World Championships for anyone who's like, why is it so hype? You're just playing a tournament. That is not true. I had so much fun on that Friday, just getting to talk with everyone, rooting on friends, watching matches, watching matches for games. I don't even know what's happening. There's just so much cool stuff going on. So anyone get that world's invite for next year and we'll we'll tell you how we think that's going to happen at the end of the podcast (laughs) or not. All right, uh, let's go and talk about those world's results. So, Grant, do you want to lead us off on this one? What were some of the like key takeaways, do you think, from this top eight that we were looking at? Because I know you've looked at it and pulled it up. Yeah, well, I think the biggest takeaway was obviously Pikachu's continued dominance. Uh, we talked about in the intro how, how powerful Marnie is, um, having the ability to Marnie and also hit Palkia for weakness. P- Palkia was there just like we all thought, but um, you know when there's three Pikachus, uh, you're gonna you're gonna have a, a bad time. Um, it's a pretty unfavorable matchup. Uh, Pikachu is, is big enough; it's tough for them to oko it. So you, they take four prizes when you take three, um, and it it held true to form. You know, three Pikachu's in the top four. It's it's so good, right? Because we had three Palkias as well in the top nine, or is it four? Four Palkias, yeah. Four so. Pikachu was able to come out on top of those Palkias, and all of those Palkias were piloted by some of the best players in the game, too, which I think is, I mean, correction, all of the top nine are very accomplished players. I think that's something that a lot of people don't recognize because Tord and Robin and Azul and, you know, all of these people weren't in there. We kind of neglect, like, uh, we had a former world champion in top nine. Like, that's pretty good. The eventual winner, go look at his Limitless page. (laughs) He has accomplished a lot in this game. Daichi in second place has accomplished a lot. We tend to ignore Japanese players' results, but, like, getting a top eight at a Japanese national championship is massive. That tournament is bigger than NAIC is. (laughs) 
So yeah, they play that gauntlet style. So just making it that that deep in the tournaments, just a test of stamina and ability all in itself. Oh, it is. So the top eight was the top eight was stacked. Yeah. Like it was stacked with new players, which I think is good for all of us to recognize. Like, oh, these people are also great. Well, and Kaiwin was he was was he top four at last world? I he top cut the last two worlds for sure, and I think he's top cut three total if I remember correctly. Yeah, I remember. He, I think he had the um, rainbow rare. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't see what any of the cards were. Oh heck yeah! You got to go full <laughs> full max already. It's it's beautiful. We love rainbow rares here at the Lake of Rage podcast. Yeah, this next year might be that. It's kind of fun when you watch it when the the one person playing it comes up on stream. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> It's like, is that a Lele, a Dedene? Uh, what are we looking at? You, you rely on the casters. It was it was impressive. Um, the first game um, had a glare issue. Like they apparently forgot to check the cameras because you couldn't you couldn't make out what any card was. And uh, but thankfully the casters they have I believe they have to have access to all the views. So I think they had the hand views, mm -hmm. which were were fine and focused, but we could never see it. We only had the top down view. But they were able to, you know, narrate and props to them. I think it was Joe and Ross uh, who did a great job navigating us through that <laughs> that struggle. I, gosh, let's just talk about the casting real quick. I know everyone listening to this podcast probably watched multiple rounds. All of the casters were like so on point. It felt like like every duo really was good together so shout out to pokemon for putting them together but also shout out to the casters for whatever they did together just felt so good obviously joe and ross isn't new right they've been together for ever this, this this season now i think this was ross's like first first time on official pokemon stuff oh was it i thought he was on there i don't think so oh whatever they they, 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 but, they did yeah. well i love the yeah, ross he's got a great voice <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, mean his his videos were part of the you know the, the things that got me into it, and like see like competitive stuff because he was showing, you know, he showed results, which you know back then I don't think was on every channel, but he was telling you like here's a deck that's going to be coming out soon that's doing really well. It's like oh that's interesting. Maybe I'll I'll get back into it when these decks come out. I think one of them was uh, Waylord. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> which was fun. It had the Blastoise. But yeah, I settled on peek around like you. Good choice. Yeah. Responsible choice. Yeah. yeah, the casters were amazing. I no shock that any of them were selected. They've all put in their work and I, I love it. I love that we have just top tier casting because there have been situations in the past where you're watching and you're like, I don't think the casters play this game. Right. And well, one of them doesn't, and and he did a great job too. Um, Scarzig. Yeah, Scarzig. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't play. And him and um, Hegster were great. Yeah, shout out to Hegster, who was really just like our very first podcast guest. So, a shout yeah. out to that, and B. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're, we're we're gonna get him back on. Don't worry. That was, I talked to him at Worlds. We're gonna so speaking of people that I actually met for the first time. But yeah, he is. He is just so on point with everything. I think. There's so many good people. Well, let's go ahead and uh, get off of the uh, the casting. The rest of the world stuff. I think the other thing that needs to be mentioned is the come up of Jolteon. You've been a big Jolteon fan forever. I feel like every time we prepared for regionals, 
At some point, you've mentioned, let's play Jolteon Memory Capsule, or you took a good list and you add a Jolteon Memory Capsule into it. Do we think Jolteon's here to stay until rotation? I think it'll definitely be um, a major player at Baltimore. I think seeing the, the results, I think both the, the Japanese lists were really cool. Um, and it might not, you know, you've had, you played it in Vancouver. Uh, you know, it's not always, it doesn't always work out, but just no. having the, the potential to win a, a a match, you know, turn two essentially is crazy. And especially now that Palki is out and so powerful, uh, to not even have to play that matchup is a great feeling. Uh, when you when you get it to work, and, and Arceus is just the perfect partner, right? Oh, Being of course. To, to get your uh, pieces from your Starbirth, but also we saw uh, Miloslav playing it with Shopping Center to allow to turn on and off his water abilities with the Ninja and the Palkia. And that was the list that uh, Pedro Torres and that was his testing group, correct? That because there were two of them in top thirty-two, in addition to a few others in the day two, you know, runnings. That was a that was a list in addition to the hey Mello, what do you do after you miss day two? You watch the day two players at the tables, and we got to watch one of his games while we were trying to watch our friend who was a few tables too far away, and just the utter confusion in our eyes as we were trying to figure out what was happening with this deck. It's it's super cool. I think the Jolteon really came out to play. Yeah. I mean, just knowing the good players are going to play Inteleon, uh, or, or should be playing Inteleon, because they have the ability to actually navigate and make real-time decisions in a mm -hmm. timed match, versus, you know, sitting on PTCGO and, uh, you know, having the, the green cards and all that for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we it, it was so interesting. He played against uh, Azul on stream, and Azul had the, the baby Mew in his deck, and so the Jolteon shut down the Empoleon, <laughs> so, so he was allowed to use the Mew. So it was an interesting interaction. The, Azul and, and Miloslav knew. The judges were, were confused trying to figure it out. Um, but yeah, it was pretty funny. That's one of those interactions, too, that, like, obviously they knew, and Miloslav definitely knew, like, hey, my day two opponents are going to know this. But that's a that's an interaction I can see day one. People not realizing like, oh, wait, the Empoleon shut off so I can use my Mew and just not using their Mew at all, <laughs> right. which is uh, not a good win condition to go for. But, you know, definitely one that you can pull off. It was an interesting scenario for him to even have the Empoleon in the active because <laughs> he was attacking with it. So like, I don't think he really contemplate ever having using that ability unless it's, you know, those certain matchups that it's in there for yeah it's, a, it's can we also mention reggie's yeah table mon bringing reggie's and bubbling out of top 16 in what was the most heartbreaking stream match of the well one of the most heartbreaking stream match of the weekend depends who you're rooting for but yeah. uh the pablo should have should have won didn't win so it's unfortunate but reggie's showed up did you expect that? Because I'm going to safely say I expected some Reggies in day one. There was like literally none. And I did not expect Reggies in day two. And there was several Reggies in day two. Yeah, I mean, I expected it to be played, but not to have two top 32s. Um, I think a lot of people know the power. And, you know, you and I both know it's a very capable deck. But um, for it to do so well, and, and like I said, Pablo, just on the, the cusp of cracking the <clears throat> top 16. Mm -hmm. you know, funny enough, 16th place is Isaiah. <laughs> so, unfortunate yeah. 
or fortune. Yeah. Like obviously, I, Isaiah. If anyone deserves to do well with Palkia, it's Isaiah Bradner. <laughs> like that dude has played a lot of Palkia. Yeah, that's been his his pocket deck since it came out, and he's just been destroying the circuit with it. <laughs> uh, the other one I do want to mention is Ross Cawthon in top sixteen with that Radiant Charizard deck. I said only a couple cards off of what i played ross obviously made better changes because you know turns out ross is a slightly better player than i am but that deck is nuts if you listener have not tried it you should and the first few times you try it it doesn't suck you're missequencing or miss game planning i promise you keep going with it the deck is incredibly fun incredibly i don't know if fragile is the right word because it's super consistent but uh, if you make the wrong plays, which is very easy to do, then you just run out of everything by the end of the game and lose. Every single card in that list is necessary in almost every matchup. And so it's that's part of the thing is it's fun. It is such a fun puzzle. If you like those types of decks, you're like me. Heck yeah. Pick that thing up. If you just like to be barrel into what you need and play the green card, it's not for you. You're going to hate that deck immensely. But 10 out of 10 recommend it the deck is so cool ross unfortunately got uh there's no gentleman's agreement or the gentleman's agreement wasn't enforced i'm not super sure what happened but they ended up tying on the winning in for a matchup that ross should have actually made into cut four from the best of my understanding so a very unfortunate situation there yeah i would uh recommend if you're if you're still on the fence to check out ross was on stream twice i believe uh once day um, one and once day two i believe yeah, go check those out and watch watch how the deck interacts because at, there's a point where you think it's completely over and then you know, e easily takes his way to victory. Also, shout out to him for the open. He went 7-1 and then had a flight to catch. <laughs> so ended up still doing very well in the open, but just left two rounds early. <laughs> the, power, the power of the Radiants are, man. But yeah, it was a it was a super cool world championship, which is always exciting to see. It's one of those things where coming into it, we did our draft episode and we're like, so Palkia, though, and then Palkia did do very well. But there was just a lot of variety, and it's one that we're going to do this format retro for sure. And I think there is a lot to pick from from that day two to rebuild in the future and have some very fun games with some very fun interactions. So I think this format's super good. Anyone going to Baltimore, look at the results, but just realize world's results are not everything. It is a very weird meta in day two of the best players countering each other, just like Grant said, right? Hey, I know everyone's going to play Inteleon because they're the best players in the world, so I'm going to play Jolteon. That logic can fly in Baltimore, but also you're going to hit plenty of people who either don't play Inteleon or aren't good with Inteleon. So Jolteon might not be necessary. Right. Don't don't rely on it as your sole win condition. Because as we saw in the mirror match in the finals, that you know, that's six dead cards or seven dead cards, essentially. So, you know, that's going to be half of your matchups. And then uh, the other deck that we didn't mention, uh, Agron. Oh, that's right. We never expect to see there at 13. Well, the metal VMAXs are good, apparently. We saw Corviknight do incredibly well. We had Kevin Krieger on the YouTube channel to talk about that list. And Agron, the same bulk VMAX, turned out to be very good. <laughs> yeah, it does a lot of damage. You, that's, that's what you need in this meta. You find the card with the biggest number on it, and you play it. 
which is, is a very viable strategy. That's literally what I did with Radiant Charizard. Radiant Charizard. It's worth uh, one prize and it has 250 on it. That's a good car. <laughs> All right, let's also talk about the world's announcement of EX cards coming, quote-unquote, back. They're not actually back. They are different cards. But, Grant, what were your thoughts on that trailer in the closing ceremony about lowercase e, lowercase x cards? Yeah, it's it's really cool, but I what I didn't understand, and obviously that's been a, a, a format before, or the, the name of the card, as well as the capital EX, and, you know, I don't know why they went back to the same name something when they're going to be different. Um, I think it's interesting. Hopefully it brings back, you know, as we found out that they're, they're going to be evolving, which is, I think, great. I think a lot of people really enjoy the early GX stuff where you had had to evolve up um, Gardevoir. I enjoyed playing Gardevoir a little bit uh, as a retro format. I don't I wasn't playing at the time, but uh, I think that was 2018. Yep, um, 2018 World I, Champion Gardevoir GX. Yeah, the other the other I really enjoy is Alolan Ninetales um, with Octillery. Uh, I you know I still play Bibberol now. It's sort of the same same thing. That's that's sort of my style. And you had to evolve up, and I had a great one to evolve from the Beacon um, Volpix is a is a classic Ooh. card. That way, just... I have to interrupt you. What yeah. you just said is why I'm excited for the EX mechanic as it is. Let's talk about Beacon Volpix real quick. If you're unaware of Beacon Volpix, check out the YouTube channel. Alex Cook did a great video for me while I was away, ranking the best setup Pokemon of all time. We forgot to include Beacon Volpix, which is a massive mistake because after he made the video, we talked about it and it's like, this should be an A tier Pokemon. Zero energy. That's the important part. Search your deck for up to two Pokemon, put them into your hand. In the current format, that is unplayable trash. If you are searching your deck for two Pokemon and putting them into your hand, it's getting married away, or you search for a basic V that you then have to bench and evolve, and you're going to bench a two-prizer, and you're already behind because your opponent's going to gust it up and knock it out. Unplayable trash. In that format, Beacon Vulpix was nuts if you played glc you know exactly what i'm talking about or if you played back then you know what i'm talking about i'm really hoping evolving ex's like a stage two magnezone a stage one lucario brings a card like that back to life and lets us do essentially nothing for a turn and still win the game because i can still set up so i had to interrupt you there because as soon as you said beacon volpix is like this is what i want to talk about and why i'm so excited for ex's i get to bench a stupid single prizer and i don't lose if it gets gusted because it's only worth one prize yeah i think and a lot of the cards that people like from that format i think you know you'd say like a bridget obviously you can't use supporters going first but we have gloria which now is actually potentially a viable card because you're going to be evolving from pokemon that don't have rule boxes so you can fill your bench up with that going second the other one is and and everyone complains about is you know just getting rare candy as a potential four of in every deck i went ahead and got or gold ones now because i think people are going to realize that it's going to be uh a, nece a necessity when that is the sole format obviously are you be far away from the rotation actually going to tell me you're the only person on earth who thinks gold rare candy is the optimal art it's definitely not <laughs> it, it fits in with all the rest of mine so okay fair uh, 
and and there were only like eleven listings decided by four separate ones. Uh, but I think that just goes to show the scarcity of it. Oh yeah, did you buy the the fully gold one or the older? I think black and whiter. Okay, showing the sun and moon era rare candies, which is. Nowhere near the optimal art. Yeah. (laughs) If you agree and you think that is the optimal art, at me on Twitter, tell me I'm wrong, at Mel underscore Magikarp. But if you are a sensible person and you think that is not the best use of your money because there's better arts, at RealBooseyK on Twitter, please flame this man for playing gold sun and moon rare candies. (laughs) Yeah, I got got flamed for my NAIC list for the energies and not the gold arceus i bought gold arceus I don't have good, i still don't have good energies though like it's not gonna be great i know um yeah i'll i'll, I'll take the lashing on twitter if you <laughs> i completely understand yeah. yeah i think overall i think overall the format change is great and it's what people have asked for with keeping the power creep that must you know stay in place as far as hp and, and damage output although we've you know the damage outputs come down from the tag team stuff, right? For the most part, you know, we're hitting 150, 180. It looks getting... like it has, right? Because yeah. the Magnazone and the interesting thing about the Magnazone is we're all using it as the benchmark. That card could be unplayable trash compared to everything else. We don't know yet. <laughs> it seems like it's yeah. good, right? It just it seems like a good card, but it does 220. That is definitely a number. So it can compete with V's, just like Eternatus had to KO tag teams. This thing has to KO V Pokemon. But that's not a good number into the Lucario or other Magnazones. And so it's cool. The HP scaling, like you said, but the damage isn't, which is good. A a two-shot meta is a lot more healthy. Um, Especially like how we've seen um, our meta right now evolved to being that fully finalized rock paper scissors mm-hmm. uh so each you know even though it's pikachu we're playing lightning deck to, to counter you know palkia so um i think that once it gets to that point and you're not just playing the the hard counter to the hard counter and every deck's viable uh with stage twos and and different mechanics i think it'll be really uh a lot of fun i think they they finally put the uh meta in a position to ease into that like we had to we had to downplay from v max to the v star and now we can uh finally move on i agree i'm incredibly excited for the de-escalation i think they're power creeping in the correct way where if anyone listening to this is like magnazone having 330 hp is terrible and they're still ruining the game the numbers are irrelevant the numbers just have to be big enough, like Grant said, so that they can survive what we got going on. They survive the Giratinas of the world, can still be a viable Pokemon, and then we can move into what we're doing. Everyone always talks about the full reset. That's never going to happen. The numbers are going to yeah. keep going up, but the damage will scale down while the HP scales up. And in the end, who cares? 100 HP and 300 HP are the same thing essentially they can be the same thing if the cards are designed properly exactly now of course we've only seen three ex's so far technically we've seen part of the motorcycle dragons that i don't remember their names so yeah we we don't know anything about them we don't know enough about them to speculate right now but those abilities are so sick yeah well they didn't show us everything on there no we don't know if it's a basic or a stage one the assumption is it's going to be a stage one because cyclozar exists 
And then we don't know what they attack for. We don't know their typing. They're not metal just because they are that color. That is a generic color to hide the typing, most likely. We don't know their weaknesses. We just don't know anything about them. That space between you know two basic space energy. So what's the mechanic? And that's the other thing. Yeah, we don't even know what the terrestrialization or whatever it's called is going to do for the card game because there's definitely going to be a gimmick involved. Yes. And the one in the VGC, if anyone doesn't follow the video game, which... There are people who play the trading card game and don't touch a video game ever. It is, uh, you can change the type of a Pokemon. So terrestrialization. I think I said that right. You can change the type. So the video they showed at Worlds was, oh my gosh, my brain just stopped. It was the, uh, the, what's the thing? The Colossal. Colossal was able to change into a water type. It got hit, so steam engine still happened, but also it didn't take damage. It was something like that, right? It was able to change its type from rock fire into water, grass, or you know, whatever it was, right? In the TCG, the assumption is, Grant, tell me if I'm wrong, but I know I'm right. There's going to be something like Delta Species again, where it is, here is a blank type and there's lightning magnezone. Maybe there's a metal magnezone. Maybe there's a terastalize. It's got a little symbol next to it. Uh, the fire magnezone or whatever. Or maybe there's a world where you have the energy and it's, hey, this is a terastalization energy and it does something, right? And that's where that extra space is either the type of the Pokemon, terastalize magnezone, or terastalization energy where attach this thing and it becomes a fire type. Could be uh, tools too. We've we've seen it before with um, what's his name? The uh, oh, I can't even think of his name. Are we changing the type of the Pokemon? I remember Fairy Charms, yeah, but no, I know that's not what you're no, talking about. No, the, the other one. Uh, <laughs> um, that had the circular things, gears or something. The circular, the Silvalli. Oh, Silvalli. Yes. There we go. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, that was that was very good. Very good. We've GGs. seen something like that before. So we, we we've seen Delta species. We've seen tools that can change typing. Yeah. And I'd I do. Have we had energy? I don't think we've ever had an energy that can do that. That's that's me throwing something out there that's probably incorrect. Even chats yelling at us. What about tools? I think what you said is probably correct. Yeah. Of like, I've heard people talk about the Arceus plates. We're like, okay, you can give Arceus any plate in the game to change its type. There could be the same idea here. Not Arceus specifically. The God, don't give Arceus V-Star more weapons. But like <laughs> giving your Magnazone a terrestrialized water. And now suddenly you're able to hit those fire Pokemon for weakness that, I don't know, maybe fire will be meta again. It's probably not. Palkia is still going to be good, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately, anyone listen to this and you're like, oh, I have to sell all my cards for the power creep. No, Palkia's not going anywhere, I promise. <laughs> card's Palkia. good. Palkia and Arceus will be around, although Arceus will take a big hit there, um, powering up only Vs. Ah, but we still get one V-star power per deck. Yep. Now I can Starbirth for Candy Magnazo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. Gosh, Arceus is such a good card. Fortunately, Flying Pikachu won't be going anywhere as they show uh, his Terraform has the balloons. <laughs> that is true. We could get another Flying Pika to dominate the meta. Yeah, that'd be great. But that's a big reason why. Why is everyone excited about EX cards? They evolve and they're power crept in what looks like the proper way. 
And that is exciting. They also mentioned on there, and I have to do this again. I ranted about this for like an hour on my stream. You're more than welcome to go watch the VOD if you want. They mentioned comeback mechanics, powerful ways for comeback. Some of the ways comeback mechanics have existed in the past. We have counter energy, counter gain. Both of those, nutty. I'm going to point to Regigigas Hoopa for that one. The biggest, so what? We're all wrapping this together. God, I'm such a good podcaster. Why did I play Radiant Charizard? Because I knew it had good matchups into all the meta, and I knew people didn't know the matchups. My biggest regret is not playing Counterbox Regigigas Hoopa to Santa Clara Regionals. I had the list, which turned out to be very similar to the list that ended up doing well at NAIC that year. Theirs were better. You know, that was several months later. They had time for the meta to develop, whatever. Very similar idea. I was ahead of the curve in the fact that I was at that tournament and other people weren't. And I wimped out at the end because I'm like, this is not a meta deck. I should play something meta. The counter energies are so good because they let you make these ridiculous comebacks. That's where this is coming back around to. The deck used counter gain and counter energy to stall your opponents out. And then once they've overused their resources, you can either continue stalling them because they lose or you just take knockouts and suddenly it's like, hey, you overcommitted to this Reshizard? Tremendous. Knock you out with a white Kirim counter energy counter gain or something like that would work. And it's I love these types of comeback mechanics. Radiant Zard is a come from behind deck. Baby Moltres, come from behind deck. Regigigas Hoopa with the counter energies, come from behind deck. I am so into this idea of comeback cards. Grant, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I like it. It'll make the games uh, more interesting, probably longer. Uh, obviously, they should be longer, as we just talked about, you know, uh, evolving Pokemon. Yes. Um, but yeah, I you know, my first real introduction was like Miss um, Magus knocking itself out and then using the, the counter gain. Ooh, yes, uh, and Tina Chomp. Yeah, so, you know, things like that where, where it really isn't a comeback, but it's just like I need to get down purposefully. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it for sure. Um, there's no worse feeling than when your opponent just runs over you and you have absolutely no way of getting back. You're like, okay, maybe uh, Roxanne will stick, but I, I'm still five turns away, so uh, it doesn't really matter. I need I need some some ability. I, I'll have to play for it. I can't just be handed it. But um, you know, if I if if you play right, you should be able to get back into the game. Not necessarily win it because you're down. But uh, I'm sure some deck build- builders will come up with some way to get down and purposefully get down. We still have Slowbro in the format, too. So depending what they give us for comeback mechanics, that DTE Slowbro or Twin Energy Slowbro could still be pretty good. Yeah. But I'm I'm excited for that. If you've watched my streams, I almost never play the aggro deck that can't come from behind. I'm always even like Mello, you played a lot of Pikaram. Heck yeah, that that sucker played two reset stamps and right you right you. That could that could come back from anything that you needed to. That plus a tag bolt play, like <laughs> sick. So I love it. I'm a huge fan of comeback mechanics because I hate myself just enough to play the decks that require way too much work to win. I do not recommend that for anyone. Play the aggro decks, they're way easier. <laughs> We have a 2023 Pokemon season coming up soon. Baltimore Regionals in a few weeks. Yeah. Now, I tweeted this out. This is the, why are y'all excited to play for Baltimore Regionals 
to register for a tournament in an old format for, and this was the important part I want to talk about, a goal that we don't know yet. At some point, there is some number of CP you're going to have to earn. How are you going to earn it? We also don't know. We know regionals. We know ICs. We don't know locals. And that's what I want to talk about. How are you going to earn an invite for the 2023 World Championships? Now, Mello lives in Seattle. He lives near TPCI. He knows something. I don't. I wish I did. If I knew something, I would be so happy because I'd have my season planned out and know if I'm going to earn my invite. But as of right now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to because I don't know anything. So we're going to talk about this one. And Grant, I know you are more into an idea than I am. So I want you to start us off. What is your theory for the 2023 season? Well, I think we can start back a little bit with the no locals. Um, I find it interesting that that they haven't announced return of locals. They said at least for this year, I believe, um, which makes no sense. I think it's it's not good for the growth of the game. We're at this point where the game is expanding at such a rapid rate. Like this first regional back, Baltimore is a uh, one thousand one hundred and sixty eight registrants already, and it's uh, still in a couple of weeks. Right, which is crazy. And like you said, it's an old format, which I don't think is super fair because a lot of, it's old for people that went to Worlds. Some people haven't played it for two you know, two months, essentially. But yeah, just because yeah, the Open had 1,200 people doesn't mean that right. everyone's played the format. That's a good point. Right. but And then without locals, I mean, yeah, you still have locals, but you don't have locals for points, which is a big incentive to play, um, especially cups get people to travel. Uh, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, people go to, will drive two and a half, three hours easily, uh, Kansas City to, to play in cups. Um, and without that incentive, you know, it's like, I'm not probably going to go to locals ever because they're, you know, not only do I, you know, have a job and, and all of that, but to take a, a night off, take two nights off a week for really no, no point other than just playing. It's like, well, I'll give them on Pokemon, uh, PDCGO and, and play a few games that's the same thing and i don't have to leave the house all that stuff although i know a lot of people like to but it it stifles the growth at that point and then so i'm thinking all right they announced the japan worlds and maybe you know and we'll see what they do with the points threshold but obviously if it stays at 500 there's gonna be far fewer that qualify we have 14 regionals announced and naic and just this is talking na biased obviously um, even worse for like Australia, who doesn't even have a regional announced. <laughs> yeah, um, they, they they always get get for lack of a better term screwed. Let's just be honest. Right, but their threshold's much lower too. Um, but yeah, so fourteen uh, regionals, and you know now we're at a now you have to travel to get point, and you have to do well. So just by going to regionals doesn't even ensure that you're going to to get points. This is 1,200 people that you got to play. And at the end of the day, you know, well, what's top 64, top 128 is like 40 points. Yeah, it's it's not much. So you, have, so you have to do that at every regional. And the thing is, too, top 128 is going to be day two at Baltimore. So right. you're playing two days of Pokemon. You're going 6-2-1 or better to earn 40 CP, which is right. hard. Yeah, and even, I mean, you could win two regionals and still not earn a world's invite assuming it's 500 again 
Correct. Right. Assuming it's 500. And that's, you know, until, and I don't know why, you know, why they wouldn't announce it yet. Obviously, this is apparently something that ha has happened in the past. They don't announce it right away. Mm -hmm. so we should be under the impression that, that that's the same number. And so I'm thinking maybe, maybe they're waiting, waiting for the, the, um, locals announcement to, to get a feel for what the number is going to be because how if everybody's going to be traveling to these then more people will be getting points but also when you think about that it's also diluted mm -hmm. yeah there's more people meaning the same if the same percentage are getting points yeah so, it's, it doesn't matter if more people are doing it if it's spread out amongst more people as well exactly. yeah I, th I think that's exactly. what you're saying right right so so we don't really need to like, uh, or so they, they don't need to announce it right now because I think my theory here is that they want a smaller, quote, smaller worlds uh, because the Japan event's going to be so much bigger and give more people an opportunity, especially like spectators and people in the area because I think it's going to be a bigger event than just a convention center. I think it's going to be sort of like we saw in you know London, different parts of town and Pokemon stuff going on. I think this is going to be a whole huge ordeal and you know by making it so many people that get invites too many people get invites it's going to mess with the the whole ecosystem there yeah franco Takahashi, who is a japanese living in america so he is tends to be the uh <laughs> the pipeline for us tweeted out a fairly cryptic tweet about how this is gonna be kind of a cluster just kind of a, a mess and part of it is like you said a spectacle like this is a big deal there is a large pokemon playing specifically the example he used was pokemon go playing population in that specific part of japan let alone traveling elsewhere because at worlds oh it's in the united kingdom there are so many uk people no there were so many european people there i met a ton of y'all who are not from the uk who came just to play the open and be at worlds now imagine that in a country where their regionals fill up at 1200 ish people and have to have a lottery system because of how many people want to register how many of them this is just tcg are going to want to go to worlds let's look vgc people who want plushies the plushies are top tier at worlds i it sounds silly but i promise you most of my suitcase is full of plush god look at this little magic carp those of you that are watching on youtube i was so happy to get this stupid little thing because it's so cute and you know all this other stuff the world's exclusive merch there's so much that people are going to want to do and go and see and the content creators that they're going to fly out as well that happened this year you know we saw leon hart and real breaking nate and all these other people that i don't know because i'm not on youtube because i'm old but a bunch of you know they were at worlds and a lot of them got a free trip from pokemon it's going to happen again and it's going to happen with japanese youtubers this time as well which is again they're celebrities <laughs> whether you want to admit it or not if you're my age youtubers are celebrities what getting millions of views per video is millions of people that is a major tv show right there so i think like you said it's gonna be a spectacle for sure right i think they want to focus that spectacle more for the people that haven't got to experience this yet i know obviously the last worlds was the first one outside of na i'm correct there 
You are uh, correct. Yeah, we had Vancouver and Hawaii, which were outside of the continental U.S., but like that's North America. So finally, you know, an opportunity for um, the other half of the world to experience this uh, with with a little bit more ease. And I don't know if, if they're qualifying structural change, but I think they'd rather focus having you know, uh, more Japanese players play, more Japanese players, uh, Japanese people in the you know in the area be able to go to spectate um i think we're all right taking taking one off but i i do think there's there's some planning in in all of this that has to relate to to the worlds and how um how chaotic it's, it's going to be you know everyone you know franco said that tuan said something about like plan plan now because <laughs> it's going to be crazy yeah there is there's a lot and I do want to mention, though, the Japanese invite structure. This was the biggest year in terms of Japanese players at an event, part of its location, but mostly the amount of invites because they don't do it like us. We have, OK, you can grind through CP throughout the year. You get some top 64s here and there, do well, some locals and you get your invite. It's not how it works in Japan, Japan. And in the future, we are going to have I talked to Hegster about coming back after he's going to university in Japan to talk about the Japanese structure and how it works. So look forward to that episode in the distant but near future. But anyway, you have to get top 32 or higher at their equivalent of ICs, these Japanese nationals and these 1,600-person tournaments that you're not even guaranteed to register for. That's the most ridiculous part. You enter a lottery to register to play best of one to maybe get top 32 this one day of the year to earn your world's invite. They do not send many people to worlds because of how, I'm just going to use the word ridiculous, how ridiculous their structure is. I hate their structure. If we ever adopt that structure, I am a casual player, probably, unless I do really well at a tournament. But like, that sounds miserable to have to go through that year in, year out to earn your invite. So now the question becomes, are they going to invite more people? This past year was the biggest they've ever had because it was multiple years strewn together. It's not... 32 people get it it's top 32 here top 32 here and they just had more tournaments 2019 2020 and 2021 are they going to increase that number are they going to make a cp thing where okay we're just going to invite a buttload of people here stupid united states gets 500 people a year we're going to do that too and they can do that tpc is not tpci they can do whatever the heck they want yeah. and we don't know what they're going to do they could do the exact same thing not invite that many people i am going to be curious to see how they do it yeah, I wonder if there would even be an open to try and keep, you know, people from coming. How many people were in the open? Two two flights worth thousand, twelve hundred, something like that? Oh yeah. An open, it would fill up. Whatever the cap is, the cap could be four thousand. I would assume they would be able to fill that up between the sense. world's people from other parts of the country. And God, even maybe you get a spectator pass, maybe you don't. I think we're both on the agreement of if you don't get your world's invite and you don't live in japan don't bank on getting a spectator right. pass and you need a spectator pass to play in the open right you do yes okay so that could be another way that they keep things down by uh, allotment of spectator passes i guess they could could they region lock that too realistically they could allocate certain amounts to certain regions i don't know if they would and i also want to point out for the london worlds spectator pass got you into the competitive area but the pokemon center and all the outside stuff they had this cute little village where they had pokemon boba and i never got to go 
slightly salty about that. I'm going to point that out real quick because I was playing and you had to have a reservation and I never got my Pokemon Boba and someone let me know if the Pokemon Boba was good because no one ever told me. Uh, but they had like all this other little stuff and these Pokemon troops had Magikarp Teppanyaki. Bro, I never got that either. And I'm so upset. Okay. That's not the point of the conversation. They had a lot of stuff that you did not need a spectator pass for. And the question is, is the Japanese world going to be the same way? If it is, obviously a ton of people benefit, but how do they regulate that? Because you just walked in. And I'm curious, is this going to be a massive, massive, massive thing? And like you said, are we going to have less people in worlds to increase the amount of people just going to visit or not? Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably... That's at least my thought right now, but uh, obviously it could be different. I I don't know the area. I don't know how much tourism it can support in a wave. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure they'd love the numbers to be bigger. The the city would love that. Um, Yeah, it's, what, like 30 or 40 minutes from Tokyo. It's already a big city on its own, but... Yeah, um, and then the public transit is also... Yeah. It's it's too easy to get there, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's not too easy, but, like, anyone listening to this... You can get around. My wife and I speak zero Japanese. We had no issues getting around anywhere on the public transit exclusively in that country. Freaking amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. That's that's why I'm pushing hard. I'm already signed up for Baltimore. I've got uh, Peoria and Salt Lake City planned out. Um, you know, I'm making the push. And that brings up another issue, which has been a, a hot contention all week, is the price. And the cost to do this. Can we could we very quickly? The most important thing, no one on Twitter has said it. Sixty-eight dollars and ninety cents. <laughs> I know it's ten more cents, and I know you're not come on. Could just they, they, just just do it. <laughs> they, missed, they, they missed real hard with that one. And that I'm guessing, and I don't know, and I, we can talk about all the, the delays to signing up, but I'm guessing that was strictly spreadsheet based. And just a total oversight and it, not like coming up with that number and not being like, okay, it's, we got to do it. It's 65 plus tax. So I do want to point that one out too. And I don't know if you, you probably saw this on your receipt. Of course you registered. It is a $65 registration, not a $70 registration. Uh, Maryland apparently requires this to be taxed. Other states do not. And so that's why 6890 and we've rounded that up to 70. Sure. Why not? Uh, it's a $65 registration, so it's $5 more, not $10 more. And then you can yell at Maryland for taking the other $3.90 from you, if you desire. Yeah, so I know people are complaining about that. And, you know, money's not an issue for me. But unlike some people, I care about everybody. So, you know, <laughs> ha- having access and paying does matter for a lot of people. That Bro. costs a lot of money. You could tell you're a lawyer. That's how you start off. Like, I'm going to dismantle this person's character real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love people, but I'm going to destroy you. No, um, (laughs) the the price. And then, uh, like we talked about earlier, to actually get points, everybody's going to be chasing this world's invite this time. For sure. To actually get there. I mean, that's driving. Gas prices are still high. Or flying. Flying is hectic. Yes. And. Time, and both of these are take up a lot of time if it's not in your in in your area. My closest one is a seven hour drive, so I'm flying to everything. Um, fortunately, again, can afford to do that, but the then the time as well. Uh, two of them are international, 
So passport, all that stuff. Uh, it, it'll add up quickly. And so if you're if you're not able to go to all of these, you're gonna have to, you know, the ICs, you're gonna have to do really well. And that's tough to do. As we said, these are gonna be every event's gonna be massive. Yes, the world's invite in Japan is just too good. Like everyone is so interested. But like you said, okay, no locals. Expensive. The rich get richer. I'm the same way where I'm not going to go to many regionals, but like that's not the thing holding me up. The time is holding me up more than the money, right? I can afford to go to a handful of these regionals. That shouldn't give me an advantage. That shouldn't give me a significant advantage over other people. Just being like, oh yeah, I can just like I could just fly to San Diego, no problem. I can fly to Dallas, like no problem. Like these are these are chill, right? No, that's that's not how it should be, and that's why locals are such a good safety net. There's a ton that's positive about locals. It's beyond C. It is way beyond CP. And I'll get to some of that stuff, I guess, because it's important too. But the fact that everyone within some near area of a decently sized city is able to get their invite. Now, of course, there's going to be people that are like, I live three hours from the closest league cup. I can't get to regionals. Hey, you're screwed. I'm sorry. There's There's not much we can do to fix that. Like the Pokemon has to completely revamp their online client to have a chance of online stuff. Celio's network just put out a video where he mentioned the idea of online CP. That's a can of worms. That's not I I'm sorry. Don't hold your breath on online CP being a thing anytime soon. It's it's miserably bad in the online world right now. But anyway, uh, cups coming back is incredibly important. It's yes, the CP. And like you said. Regionals are expensive. It should not cost that. I should be able to hop on a bus, get to the LGS, and play in a League Cup to potentially earn my 50 CP. Everyone should have that. The $10 entry fee or whatever your LGS is going to charge you. That's up to them. But and locals. That's not a rich get richer thing. No. That's a everyone gets richer, but people that don't have the ability to qualify by going to all these regionals now have a chance to get there or close to it enough that they don't have to go to multiple. Yeah, they can go to an IC maybe and do well. The top players are going to get that same amount of local CP, mm -hmm. and then the regional stuff and the ones that are chasing their money. That that's a separate thing. But at least allowing access, more access for people, is is what we're talking about here. And I think that's something else that has to be mentioned because the best or the people with the biggest platform are the best players. They are the ones who are talking about this day two invite stuff. They are the ones talking about the highest echelon of competition, which it doesn't affect most of us. It's super cool. We can talk all day about how many ICs should count towards a day two invite. That doesn't affect most of us. That doesn't affect me. I am invite and chill. I'm not going to go for a day two invite ever because that sounds like a miserable life experience. We're going to have a podcast on that in the future. But anyway, uh, it's that that is an irrelevant conversation to this. The actual invite structure stuff is a good conversation because like you said CP is not a rich get richer. Now, sometimes it is. There is the argument of so my locals, I live in Seattle proper, maybe nine to 11 league cups per quarter within an hour of me. Six or seven that I could take public transportation to for, you know, less than a couple dollars. That is definitely a rich get richer in the idea of just living in this area gives me access to so much more CP than 
Grant, how many do you have in the middle of nowhere? Well, we're not in the middle of nowhere. And but... it's Nebraska. <laughs> there's no one there. There's uh, probably two, two or three a set in in Omaha itself, and then a new store opened in Lincoln that's an hour away, less than an hour away, and then we're two uh, two and a half hour drive from Des Moines and Kansas City, so a little more options there. But obviously, a lot of those are on the same weekends, so just kind of depends. Um, whenever there's a back to back, a lot of people travel. So we get decent numbers here. Oh, do they do that? So do the TOs organize of like, hey, Saturday here, Sunday here, and they're like next to each other. So, okay, that's really good to hear. Yeah. So we get, we'll get, you know, it's still not huge, but like this was pre-COVID and the numbers now are crazy. And that was, you know, we get 50 to 60 in a, in a cup. That That's, I would consider that fairly large. Those are some of our largest cups get a little more, but essentially the same number, right? Yeah. Th- these are the travel ones. If it's just local, it'll be, you know, obviously lower, but um yeah yeah so cups are they're great for cp they're great as a way for everyone to be able to earn cp and tpci if you're listening please they're great for that but the other thing that i think is incredibly underrated is the community so you support the lgs that's a big deal the ten dollar entry fee goes towards usually packs for the prizes this is something that i think a lot of people don't realize if you're playing a win a box the store is profiting because they just sold everyone a box like they're making money. League Cup, there's a box as a prize. They sold you a box of cards. The League Cup, the store is very happy. In addition to you're going to buy some sleeves or whatever, which is great. Please support your LGS. If you're in Seattle, support Tabletop Village because they're the best one. But they're being supported. The community is being supported. I was able to make friends after moving to a new city because of Pokemon and because of League Cups. If you've ever been to a Pokemon League and you're like, everyone here is a child, I don't want to come back. You're not alone. I have been there too. Cups and challenges, you go, you see the same faces. You see the same sweaty tryhards. Uh, Most of them suck, but there's some that are very nice people and you're going to mesh with them. And sometimes those are the the terrible sweaty tryhards. And you're like, oh, these people are into the game. I'm in. Whatever you want, you will meet people there. And you're going to see them at the next cup and the next cup. And you're able to make plans. Hey, let's test for this. You know, all this other stuff. That is missing without locals. It's great. Yo, we're going to go to Portland regionals. And this is going to be amazing. And if I'm from this area, well, I'm great because I have Tabletop Village to go to every Friday night for tournaments. But if I don't have that in my area, I'm going to go to this regional. It's in my area. I don't know anyone. I'm in a terrible situation, like not a terrible situation. You could still have fun in a regional when you don't know anyone, but like it is significantly less fun. I wasn't able to meet up a bunch of people at my league cups and league challenges. I wasn't able to test and theory. And then at the end of every round, I'm able to see them and we go grab dinner on that night and all that other stuff that is missing without league cups. And that is what we need back for the Pokemon trading card game. We need a chance to meet people from our area. So when we go to these regionals, we got people around us. We have a support system and we have people to just play the game with. And that is the biggest reason I think we need locals back. CP, yeah, sure. I want to go to Yokohama for sure. But we need the support system that leagues just don't give us usually. Yeah, and and just growing the game in general, like the the momentum is being stifled. Uh yeah, people go to locals and and play and it's usually retro formats and stuff like that, but you know, if when you see these bigger events or, or challenges and cups and uh, that number keeps growing, it's like let's why why would we do anything to interrupt 
Yeah, we've already we've been forced out of it. Now we don't have to be. Why are we choosing to stifle the game like this? So the only hope we talked about what should Pokemon do? Bring back League Cups and League Challenges. Yep. It will be fine. I know COVID restrictions and etc. are still a thing. At a certain point, you have to, I think, you give the stores guidelines. You tell players, report the stores that don't follow the guidelines, and you say, go for it. I think that's yeah, the move. People are, people are meeting at, at their stores right now. They have it up on, on the uh, events page. So people are meeting, and they're not having to go by these guidelines that Pokemon, you know, clearly cherishes. So... <laughs> Or or do they? I've heard mixed mixed reports about the world situation and ah, all yes. of that. Like, everyone got COVID, which is super cool. Yeah. Not everyone, like literally. I I dodged the bullet. Tremendous. Okay. Uh, once you were in the competitors hall, masks were required. When you were outside of the competitor hall, the Pokemon Center, getting boba, any of the photo ops, the trading area, brats, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, cool. This is this is literally pointless at this point. So and they've ended the the vaccine requirement. Like clearly, like Pokemon, just you got to get over yourselves and uh, and and get this thing back going because because we're we're tired of of not playing locals for sure. Mm -hmm. Even if uh, even if you have to do all that stuff for locals, which probably won't be enforced that much anyways. But like at, at right now, this at this point, they're just kind of phoning it in, but still living with the the you know lack of of locals and these the mask requirements at. at the events clearly everyone's gonna get it when, when these happen i remember there's an out, outbreak of it at naic and you know that's gonna happen either way at any any gathering of people at this point just consider it you know obviously it's still a deadly virus I'm not making light of it but it's just as catchable as the cold if somebody comes in with the cold they're gonna give it the same way it's like we we have to acknowledge that that's the case now we there's yeah i just bring it back let it let us play again and I'm hoping, I think the general speculation is we'll get locals back at new set release slash rotation. That's technically fine. Pretty, pretty far away. But yes, it is a rough end of the season. It is a rough two quarters <laughs> having to grind through all of that. But we'll see. That's my hope. I am a... Believer, I know we talked about how, oh, are they going to limit people at Worlds? This is where Grant and I disagree. I don't. I think this will be the largest North American number of invites that we have ever had. I think they're going to set it at a number that is very user-friendly. Now, I know I just, we, I just spoke a ton of doom and gloom. Are they even going to bring back locals? Are they going to do this? Because I don't know. But yeah. my gut says, yeah. They're, they're going to let seven, 800 people from North America in. They're not all going to go. And uh, it's going to be incredibly easy of a bar to hit. Yeah, that's super optimistic. Uh, I'm the optimistic one here. Yeah, basing it, basing <laughs> it on, on facts. The only, the only fact I have is what we're presented right now. And that's well, going to require a lot of uh, travel time and money to get an invite. And I don't think a lot of people are going to be able to do that. So unless they lower it, unless they bring back locals, you know, right now the, you know, if you had to extrapolate, that number is going to be low, less than last time. Let's get into some questions from Twitch chat real quick. <laughs> as always, we are not as always. 
as occasionally we're live on twitch.tv slash mellow underscore magikarp because we're going to continue some of this stuff for sure uh stellar wish gaming asks where do you think giratina will fit in the meta good bad meh and why i'll start i think giratina is very good i don't think it is the bdif i think it is beatable but i think that it is not beatable by uh stuff like arceus and that is incredibly valuable a deck that can body arceus i think it has potentially good single prize matchups depending on if the build that has stuff like sableye in it is viable or not i think it has a decent mew matchup a decent palkia matchup i think it's good i think it is a good deck it is not bdif but it's it seems like it's very good. It doesn't. It is not another Reshiram. I promise. I thought Reshiram was trash. I thought Rayquaza was trash. I don't think Giratina is trash. Yeah, I I agree. I think you know, seen a couple different ways to play it and uh, different engines. The full the full Lost Zone engine, all that stuff. Um, I think it's really good. Obviously, being able to hit that hard is is super valuable. Um, where where finally you know falls into place whether it is that loss image which I, I think is a little inconsistent um is to be seen but yeah it's definitely going to be good it's not going to be a uh one of the overhyped new cards that ends up being a bust and those aren't that common i think people always point to them and be like see there was this one uh palkia wasn't arceus wasn't mew wasn't we have to go back to rayquaza to get right. a hyped card that wasn't good shadow rider very good urshifu very good like the hyped card is almost always good even if it's only for a little while it's usually pretty good eternatus very good Zation, really good yeah every every set except for one yeah yeah it's and there were were good cards in that set best it's the best set in a while jake gearhart asks Given that the HP scaling between stages for new EXs is much more drastic than GXs, do you think Stage 2 Pokemon EX will be more prevalent than Stage 2 Pokemon GX were? And as a little bit of background, because I did see Jake ran, I'm going to call it linear regression. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't care. I'm a science teacher, not a math teacher. He ran some sort of graph thingy that showed the scaling of Stage 2 Pokemon's HP for EXs is greater than it was for GXs. So the difference between basic stage one, stage two, HP is now greater than it used to be. So there's now more reward HP-wise for stage two Pokemon. So do you think stage two EXs are going to see more play given that? Well, I think I'm the perfect person to ask this uh, as I didn't really play when the stage two GXs are out. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I... I would think so. I th- I, they were good cards, right? That was the some of main. them. Okay. I mean, like well, Guardi was good. Decidueye was good. Solgaleo was kind of good at one point. Wow, stage shoes were kind of bad. Like the more I think about, it, the more it's like, <laughs> you know, Zoroark was good, and Buzzwall was good. I know I'm missing something. That was good. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I would hope so, but at this point, who knows? We don't even know what any of the cards do. We know, like, three cards, and it's only half of what they do. So, it's pretty much impossible to say at this point. Hmm. Is it really just Desi and Guardi and kind of Solgaleo, but that was already in the Guardi deck anyway? Wow. 
stage shoes were not as good as I thought. It was just like Gardevoir was so ridiculously dominant. Oh, Metagross was a card uh, that got second in a regional and was has been called by Christopher Shemansky, who did it the worst deck to ever do well at a tournament. Um, well, they made a comeback later on with Mewtwo, so that's true. Stage twos were very popular. Bileplume was cracked as long as you played it with Mewtwo. <laughs> yeah. Um. Jeez. Yeah. Solber Solgaleo was only good because, huh? I like. I'm just now realizing stage two GXs were bad, but the good ones were really good. And I think they might be fixing that with this greater HP because greater HP means you're more likely to survive. And the more you survive, the more likely you're good. But are the basics going to be too squishy? Is it going to be too easy to pick them off? Is Palkia going to be able to not Starbirth, whatever the V-Star ability is called to Greninja and board wipe you too consistently? You know, shenanigans like that. Um, I think the answer is yes, but I think the variables are, like you said, in things that we haven't seen yet. What is the support? What are the basics? That kind of stuff. What's, what's the new mechanic? The new, uh, the new gimmick? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's, that's huge. <laughs> we haven't seen that at all. That could completely change everything. And like, no, the basics are still the best. Uh, Blaine asks, who is winning Baltimore Regional and why is it me? I'm gonna, Sorry, yeah, I'm gonna say it's not Blaine. <laughs> it's definitely not gonna be Blaine. Prove us wrong. Uh, I am hard pressed to go against any of the obvious picks. Isaiah Bradner is a very good player. It's probably gonna play Palkia, and it's gonna play Palkia better than. There's what 1,100 people signed up. He's gonna play Palkia better than 1,100 people are gonna play their own decks. So I'm going to pick Bradner to win Baltimore with Palkia with an incredibly boring list because he's just going to body you. And I I think that's it. Like, I felt like Radiant Charizard was incredibly favored in the Palkia matchup. And I will very safely say, literally, the name Isaiah Bradner came up as like, I'm pretty sure I will lose to someone like him and not someone. And I think that is incredibly true. It's Palkia. It's Bra Bradner with Palkia. Grant. I'll take Tord. Um, not sure of the deck, though. I, I incorrectly called Tord for uh, Palkia for Worlds, but I'm going to call Tord for Palkia for... He's not, he's not going to fall for Vikavolt again. There's no way that man brings Vikavolt. CSF Farm asks, Can Galarian Weezing C play next format that will body the Lost Zone engine? I'm going to say no. I want Weezing to be good. I don't think it's... I want it to be good. It was good very briefly that one time before Manaphy came out and Hoopa Moltres needed something to deal with Jolteon and it needed a way to Oko Ice Rider and Weezing into Sableye was the best way to do that. I don't think it's good. I If someone breaks Weezing, I'm in. I am in. Please, if you think you have the cracked Weezing list, bring it to a tournament and win with it or top eight or whatever, but I don't think it's that good. Yeah, it, it was good for what, like a, that one week until people figured out, smoothed out their list. Yeah. Uh, I think that it, it, it'll probably make a resurgence one time. I don't know. I don't think the sole purpose will be to body the Lost Zone engine, though. No, it's 
The Lost Zone engine is so interesting. Comfy is so good. Look at the top two cards. If it's in your active spot, look at the top two cards, but one in your hand, one in the Lost Zone. That's ridiculously powerful. But I don't think that's like the only piece of the Lost Zone engine you need. You can still like do Colrus shenanigans. You can still use the Banette to put itself in the Lost Zone to get a supporter back, which is very good. Obviously, you have Lost Remover. So if your opponent ever attaches a tool, I don't think it bodies it enough the keyword think i haven't played a single game of wheezing versus the lost zone ensign could be good yeah yeah the removal the chorus i think you still get there uh quick enough without having the, the comfy but it does stop um uh the cram i guess too oh that's cool yeah. the, the cram is a cool card i it's probably bad but it's interesting poke gamer asks Highest played bad deck at Baltimore. That's a really good question. Like, I really like this question because the question yeah. of what is a bad deck, right. if, like you're going to disagree with this 100%. There's a very good chance the highest played deck and the highest played bad deck are the same answer. And that is Arceus Flying Pikachu Decidueye. <laughs> that deck is actually just quite mediocre, but no one respects it ever. And Marnie's a good card. Those are the only two win conditions. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty easy to call like the top three decks. It's going to be the same thing it's been, uh, or at least NAIC. Um, Mew, Pikachu, mm -hmm. and, and Palkia. I think that's uh, correct. In, in what order? Probably that order. Um, and, I mean, Mew hasn't done much, so can we call that a bad deck? If we're calling the, uh, the deck that won... <laughs> Uh, NAIC and World's <laughs> a bad deck. I think it's fair to call Mew a bad deck. So that could be the highest placing bad deck. Yeah. Hmm. Most played Reggie's is another one that I I if I were going to Baltimore, I would consider falling for the Reggie trap. Oh yeah. And I think Reg that, Reggie is very much yeah. a bad deck. Yeah. Like, is it when we say bad deck, it's not unplayable. It's like. This what this deck does is either unimpressive or inconsistent. Reggie is both of those together. It just happens to hit all the right colors. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we could call everything but Palkia a bad deck. Uh, Duraludon's a bad deck. Arc Intel's another one that because like I'm sorry, being able, being the only deck in the format that can heal every single turn. That's that's pretty good. But yeah, Palkia. Palkia is very clearly not a bad deck. Palkia is nutso. Palkia will probably win. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't sleep on Palkia. There's, there's going to be a lot of Pikachu, though. It can beat Pikachu. It's fine. It, yeah, it can, but will it? No. And depend, depends who's piloting it. I went 401 if, against it. If I hand you Pika and I hand toward Palkia, I feel confident saying I think Palki is going to win that matchup. I think it'd be close. <laughs> Leo's Haunt asks, swim freely. Thoughts on the deck? I think it sounds ridiculously fun. Yeah. Very high roll. Something that I will 100% bring to an online tournament because I hate playing tryhard decks in online tournaments because then I just get extra tilted. Swim freely. Perfect deck for an online tournament. Just like Reggie's. 
it's it's very enjoyable to play. I don't think it's good. I'd love for it to be good. I think there's enough decks like that out now that you could have a, a pretty fun tournament if you're just playing these single prize uh, Mad Party gear, uh, Magic Arp. Um, the problem is the single prize mirrors suck. Right. Oh, did you but attack least, first? GG's. At least they keep coming out with these gimmick decks and, and you know, they're never going to be good. I'd like to think that when they're printing these, they're like, we really need LDF to have a job. Right. Like that. That that's the whole plan. We'll we'll keep your YouTube channel going with with easy content. To keep. You, you don't have, you don't have to come up with brand new decks every day. No, yeah, we'll just hand you some decks. You can build a couple variants of this. JD goes crazy. Asks it's simply Radiant Venusaur with a question mark. My answer to that question is bad. Do you agree? No. Yeah. <laughs> no is also an acceptable answer. Grammar Time asks, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment in your life? For me, getting a master's degree. I'm a first-generation college student. The fact that I got a bachelor's is already kind of technically against the odds, but then the master's is the one that really, like, that's some good stuff. What's yours? Oh, that's tough. I mean, probably... I don't know. Winning state tennis? Uh, beating Tord in tennis from the future? Wait, are you state champion? Yeah. Is it Nebraska? Yeah. It's not a real state, though. I know. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I had a chance. <laughs> that's impressive. Good job. The gyroscope. No, I already answered that. Bro, Evie. Oh. The Salamence guy asks, when do you think they will say anything about CP? We talked about the what. We didn't talk about the when. Do we think it's going to happen soon? Later? Oh my god, says something like January, which is really upsetting to say. Yeah, that's it's so So if my theory is right that they're that they're waiting to see what where everything goes, I think they can wait till till next year because we've got what? Five regionals. That's a lot. Before that. And two ICs? LAIC for sure. I don't know when um, UIC is. Uh, Oceana's in February. Oh, Oceana, okay. Okay, so only one Just, IC, but... Yeah. And that's a lot of results. I think... That would give them a good idea. If clearly, clearly they are, aren't going to bring locals back right away. Otherwise, they already would have. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go with January. Yeah, that's that's safe. Gazer Beam asks, Cups will be back by February, right? I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Victor asks, what do you think Pokemon will do in states like Florida that have laws that ban companies from enforcing mask mandates? I think we already kind of got to some of this stuff, but you're like... I think you just say these are the requirements to play in a cup. You offer up people to send in a support ticket if they don't do it. And then, like you said, if no one at that tournament fills in a support ticket, they're never going to know otherwise, and you just do it. Yeah, I think I think the reference here is of uh, the Florida Orlando regional. That's in February. I think all, all of these requirements will probably be gone by then in the first place. 
that's also most likely like i don't know i'm in the same way where it's like it definitely seems like everything's just going to be done by then right yeah all right grant where can the people find you if they want more of you or if they want to yell at you for your gold rare candies i'll allow it you can find me at uh on the twitter at real K. it's one word um and usually have some some decent stuff. I don't know. I've been I've been tweeting a, a ton of things, but um, as as we get into it, I'll probably come up with some memes. Maybe bring back Meme Wednesday. We'll see. We need Slap to do all the work for you, though. <laughs> well, the problem is whenever I come up with a meme, Azul steals it. You need to stop posting the Discord first. That's the problem. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I gotta take my take my talent straight to Twitter. Myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mellow underscore Magikarp. Uh, remember to like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Remember to leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or etc. And this has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.